and welcome to the Unhinged History Podcast, the podcast where two women meet up and hope to hell we're not leaving our school-aged children in front of a school stinking like the menaces that they are. I'm Teresa. I'm Angie. And you've joined us. We're sorry about that. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, chose look, to be here. <laughs> your therapist is excited that you're here. We We've know because they send us thank you cards. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, welcome. I'm excited. You're excited? I know this is spooky season, so we can choose to tell each other spooky stories and pretend that we have a theme we've been planning with, or we can just tell each other the spice trade and have (laughs) nothing to do with this and hope that nobody cares that we're not paying homage to the season of the pumpkin spice. Okay. So I was thinking about this. Uh, like a few days ago um, we are pale white girls so I feel like for our case spooky yeah. season is all year long right like have you ever yeah. met another pale white girl that wasn't into it I mean in, in truth like the, any kind of coloration you see on my face is brought to you by Alta um, it's it's honestly I resemble, resemble an index card without my makeup on I glow in the dark and at least you have some sort of lighting. I mean, I have to add highlights. <laughs> I only glow in the dark because my hair is at this age turning platinum white. And honestly, I'm incredibly jealous. And my hairdresser keeps saying, no, Teresa, that is not doable. I cannot make that happen without what you would call an act of God, in which case I can still not make that happen. Mine is what you would call an act of God. So I'm going to run with it. You know, you know, and take it as a compliment. The last act of God that I can say truly happened was when I was cooking. There you go. And was it, Congress involved? <laughs> uh, gosh, thank God. No, because it, it actually resolved in a, in a quick period. Yeah. So. Yeah. There would have been a whole government shutdown if they were involved. Right. Yeah. Some oh, bipartisan issue. Like, there's going to be bipartisan arguing in my household regardless. Garlic or not. Listen. There is garlic. no such thing as garlic or not. It is it's just garlic. Are the mosquitoes going to somebody else's house or do they just exist outside of the fog shield? Mm, okay. okay. Yeah. Whatever. Like, I haven't gone so far as to say garlic ice cream. But I would. I mean, I, I'm basically the Paula Dean of garlic. But uh... <laughs> garlic is life. So my husband's great grandma had this, this was her cooking tidbit, her cooking advice, if you will. She said, and I've taken this very, very deep into my heart. If you are making a dessert and there is an ingredient in the dessert that you don't like, just take it out and add more chocolate. If you are making a savory dish and there is an ingredient in there that you don't like, just take it out and add more garlic. There's but a lot mom, of chocolate. It's Angel's Folk Cake. It's like, <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Uh, this Angel's Food Cake is black. Happens to be chocolate. <laughs> because you know what? You don't need we that don't discriminate in this house. Right. We believe Ouch. in diversity. We eat all the colors of cake. Facts. Except for that yellow one. That one's weird. Facts. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, but I do have a really sweet friend that loves yellow cake with strawberries on top. So I do make her that, but I don't need it. You know, we all have that one friend that we worry about, that we pray for, that we <laughs> we put their name in the offering plate. <laughs> we send our thoughts and prayers to. <laughs> yep. All that of the might, thoughts. All of that the might not have That might have been the single greatest TikTok in the mm-hmm. whole of the internet. And, you know, we probably minute. shouldn't refer to it because by the time this comes out, we're going to be like, what? Tick- We've sent like 500 TikToks back and forth. Which one are we talking about? Which is why it took me an hour to find you the TikTok I tried to send you See? yesterday. Okay, so we should just go ahead and get started with our actual stories. <laughs> and the real question is, who went first last time? And who wants you to go first You were the only one last time. Oh, that makes it easy. Yeah. Okay, see, I don't so... even remember that. I black out. Did I mention that in my in my scalding hot bath, I basically just had a delicious a nap? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know we were drinking tonight. Well, that's why I have the LaCroix now. I'm trying to bring it back because you said, you know, <laughs> do you want to record? Hold on. I'm naked because I'm in the bath because I realized just starting with hold on. I'm naked was weird. And then made it like, OK, but of course I'm naked in the bath. I shouldn't. <laughs> Which, that's what made it awkward. (laughs) (laughs) And then I had to double down. I mean, you can record naked if you want, Teresa. Anyhow, your turn. All you had to say was like, you know what? My camera's just not working. Or live your life, man. I don't care. I mean, you know, I might... No, I, my my kid is not breastfeeding, so I'm not going to be one boob out in the world. Okay, but anyhow. <laughs> oh, to be the queen. Do you remember? Oh, I can't think of her name right now. I was hoping you Isabella. were really going to say that Queen Elizabeth walked around with a boob out for a season. <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. Oh, I mean, like maybe Elizabeth won. But um, yeah, I was thinking I want to say her name's Isabella, but like, do not quote me on that. But no, but I know season, what you're talking about. The right? one with the painting. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. That was her. That was all. That was all the rage. Yep. But anyhow, your favorite boob. <laughs> tell your story. Live your best life. Okay. So. Um, I came across, so I was having lunch with, um, my husband the other day and I was like very excitedly telling him that we have reached spooky season and was so excited to share with you one of the many stories that's like boiling up in my head. But at that exact moment, I immediately forgot everything I've ever learned in my entire life. This happens (laughs) to me all the time. Right? Like all of a sudden you don't even know your name. And so I was like, oh, no, well, I need a story. So he was kind of sending back and forth like some some fun little um, like anecdotes from the season, you know? Yeah. And um, out of that conversation, this story is what I happened upon. I think it hits with me partially because it has sort of some untold women's history to it. And partially because when I think of spooky and Halloweeny things, kind of the UK is what comes to my mind. This um, right? So with that, I'm going to give you the story of Lady Mary Howard and her carriage of bones. Howard as in related to one of the wives of Henry VIII? Uh, she may have been, but this is like a lesser um, noble lady. By the way, anytime you can say the lesser blank, like <laughs> I refer to 
Like we'll be watching something and if it's not, if it's a Baldwin, but not Alec Baldwin, they are a lesser <laughs> Baldwin. Yes. And I start by saying the lesser Baldwin and then eventually I get to budget Baldwin. <laughs> Mine is wish Baldwin. <laughs> it was like I ordered Game of Thrones on wish. I don't think I will ever forget that. And my poor husband didn't get the reference till I showed him what wish was. And then he was like, yep, you're right. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so this is a she's from a, a lesser a less famous family. So she could have been, but I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure uh to those relations. I'm a hundred percent sure of a lot of other relations in this story, but not that one. Okay. Um, so that being said though, there is another <laughs> Lady Mary who has a story that is very scandalous. And um, oftentimes throughout history, their stories have been combined, but they're not. They're very different stories. So I've done my best to um, tell you just the one without including the other one at all, because a lot of legends incorporate them both, like both of their scandalous affairs into one story. Okay. And that's not the case. as absolutely not the case this mary howard is very different from the other lady mary howard so would you like to hear my sources of course course you would all right so my main source is a book called devonshire characters and strange events by sabine baring gould it was written in 1908 there needs to be Um, more sabines i'm just gonna say it i know i love that name it's just one of my all-time favorites in fact, if I had a daughter now, I would probably still, despite the fact that the Star Wars is out, I would still name her Sabine. <laughs> but anyway. Um, okay, so th- I, I learned of that source from the Wikisource, the online library, which had the entire, like, you could look at the whole book, which was really fun. Um, the Royal Museum of Greenwich has a website that talks about... Um, Queen Henrietta Maria, which is important later. Mysterious Britain and Ireland, Lady Mary Howard of Fitzford House. The BBC has like a little local article written by Andrew Spencer of kind of um when I say local, I mean like a locale, like a like a region. Okay. Okay. And then the Twickenham Museum, which is really cool. So this source has Something they mentioned called, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but I'm going to try my best. The I think it's the Blondie book, but it's B-L-O-U-D-E-D-I-E. Sure. So, right? Okay. So it was written in, this, in 1606. So spelling has changed a little bit. I think it's the Blondie book. Which is the tragical and desperate end of Sir John Fritz, or Feats, a.k.a. Published by Roberts F. Burden in 1606. Um, This book tells the story of the life of Lady Mary's father, which is super important to her whole scheme of things. So, that being said. I do have to tell you about her dad, though. Because without her dad, her whole story doesn't really make sense. (laughs) She was the daughter of Sir John Fitz of Fitzford House in the West Devon town of Tavistock, which for all you map lovers out there is in the southwest of Britain, about four and a half hours via car from London. 
John Fitz was married to a Bridget Courtney, C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y. From here on out, I'm saying Courtney because it's easier to pronounce that way. Who, <clears throat> excuse me, is the daughter of Sir William Courtney, the third Earl of Devon. Mr. John Fitz was born in 1570 and he was a bit of a D-bag. And most definitely a violent drunk, who had come into inheritance a bit early for today's norm at 20 years old. Um, basically, once he wed, he began acting a fool and um, or some sort of very serious mental illness took hold and started rearing its ugly head. I kind of think it's a combination of both based on the rest of his life. This mixed with, Yeah, mixed with a lot of alcoholism. So... Um, you know, put two and two together. It's I, I I certainly believe mental illness was definitely in play here. Um, the BBC article has a great quote about this man saying, quote, John Fitz, her father, became very rich, very young at the age of 21. Like many before and after him, the money soon, soon turned him into a moral, less shadow of his formal self, sliding into a dependent a degeneracy that caused him to vent his wrath on the folk of Tavistock. So there you have okay. it. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's one hell of a, of not a the dad of the year for sure. Um, in August of 1596, Mary is born. And when she is just four years old in 1599, John in a drunken fit of violence, following some sort of disagreement, kills his best friend, Nicholas Slanning, Right there on their front steps. Perfectly natural, perfectly healthy. Yeah. Uh, at this point, he promptly flees to France to avoid arrest. But thanks to Sir William Courtney, John's father-in-law, the Earl of Devon, young Mary, and is obviously young Mary's grandfather, is able to obtain a pardon from the Queen herself, Elizabeth I, and John returns to merry old England. Okay, so she's a better person than I would, because I'd be like, Daddy's gone, and I'm just gonna start singing "Father of Mine." Like, <laughs> well, she's four. Um, I mean, don't get me uh, wrong; it's a bit anachronistic. Just be like, "Father of Mine," tell <laughs> me where have you been? I mean, but no, like dead to me. Um, I think in this case, yeah, probably if that if that song had been around by then, she probably was or writing her own version of it. Um. Upon his return, he, quote, turns his family out, and with a group of like-minded, air quote, friends, he wreaks absolute havoc on the local townsfolk. The Twickenham Museum says, quote, that he is terrorizing the inhabitants of the town. You know, I just closed my eyes, <laughs> and the whole world disappeared. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, yep. it's just, that's going to be in my head forever, so thanks. Thanks. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um here's interesting by 1603 john is knighted by the newly ascended king james one and it because is interesting course, you know right you know it's when you're a misogynistic d-bag you tend to like other misogynistic d-bags right okay um it's interesting to point out though that he earned his knighthood on account of his quote social standing and wealth as opposed to having performed any great service to the new king Wait a minute. You mean people just get awards because they're rich? I guess. That, it, gosh, the back then it was so weird. 
I know, super weird, right? So grateful we're past that. Me too. Uh, (laughs) In summer of 1605, Sir John gets summoned to London to answer for his crimes. Which ones? Well, I'm going to get there. Both the behavior towards his family, because he is obviously a degenerate father and terrible husband. He's thrown his family out. Um, And for renewed charges regarding the killing of Nicholas Slaning, my guess is double jeopardy doesn't apply yet. Could you imagine if you got arrested because Taylor Swift put out an album and it was just (laughs) like, yeah, we're going to bring you to task because this new hit single makes you look like an asshole. Sure does. Um, So uh, he, at this point, he has to travel to London, right? Because that's where he's been called to answer for his crimes. But as he travels with his servant, he grows into a mental state of absolute unhinged paranoia. He believes he's being hunted, for lack of a better word, by members of his wife's family or maybe even that of the family of Nicholas Slanning. He arrives in an inn but can't sleep. So he leaves both the inn and one source says he he also told his servant to move on but another source says his servant was with him at the next place so I'm not Both could entirely... happen. Yeah, I mean this Kevin, is... go on without me. No, I'm look dude, you are clearly in need of some help and I'm, I'm gonna stay right here. Yeah, I'm a, yeah. I'm a hang. Right. So it's as you wish uh, in that case, because there's no one right answer for that. Um, but long story short, he continues towards the town of Twickenham, which, come on, that's freaking amazing. I mean, the town of Saggy Bottom, I think, is better, though. You're, you're right. It absolutely is. But Twickenham is fabulous. Okay. Um, he gets lost. He tries to get the owner of a large estate to let him in and and give him room and board for the evening, but he's turned away and he moves on to the Anchor Inn. The keeper called Daniel Alley. Now, this is his home and inn, and it's shared with his wife called Agnes, his children, a maid, and one lodger called Robert Goodard, which um, is probably why at this point there's a pretty clear chain of events for what happens this evening. But it's about 2 a.m., um, when, when he arrives, and this is what the Twickenham Museum has to say. Sir John's servant caught up with him, and between them, they managed to raise Daniel, who, after some conversation, let him in. They He vacated his, be- his and his wife's beds, changed the sheets, his wife having gone next door to the children, and sat with him until he fell into a restless sleep. No, no, no. Right? You don't get me out of my bed. Same. Um, so the the blonde book that I had mentioned earlier, written in 1606, says this about the evening. Sir John, his jeldling set up, the door shut in, himself gone to bed, his footman departed with money for his expense and all things as it seemed well. But that the host and his wife observed a certain wild and stern look in his countenance, at last being in bed, called and knocked for the host of the house to come unto him. Nope. <laughs> right. I said good night. I said good day to you, sir. Who being come into the chamber, for the good man himself had no place to go to to sleep at this point. The wife's gone to sleep with the children, and my assumption is the bed is now full. Yeah. Um, so he goes into Sir John's room, and Sir John says unto him, I pray thee, mine host, sit by me a while. I will, said the good man, and so, fetching his cloak to wrap about him, returned and sat down by his bedside. 
No, no, it's still weird. Still weird. Absolutely would not. Um, but I think it's interesting to I included that to show what type of man Daniel the innkeeper was because a people pleaser. Most definitely a people pleaser, but also I think he genuinely, based on that writing, was concerned about this individual. Like, Fair. what is what is going on, right? Um. So later, around five a.m., Sir John wakes up and has this massive delusional episode in which he thinks Daniel is trying to attack him. Daniel is just going out to the fields to work for the day. I mean, okay. But- if you were, if I woke up and you were sitting near my bed. In where I'm sleep, I I'm going to become violent, That's, violently ill, or just violent. I would have more questions, you know. But in this case, um, Daniel was not by the bed at this point. Daniel was out doing his morning chores. Okay, so this guy just woke up with an instinct. His eyes just went straight predator. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, and he <clears throat> he kills the innkeeper, Daniel's but- wife. Agnes, she gets cut on the arm, and the lodger, Robert Goodard, suffers no injury. Once John realizes what he's done, he puts the sword against the wall and impales himself not once, but twice. Because I guess the first time didn't work. I mean, (laughs) if you have the ability to do it twice, you are either (laughs) demonic or you did a rather poor job. Your target practice is terrible. Right, like, um, next time, aim not at the foot. <laughs> or did you just miss it completely? Like, what are we doing? Feet right. away? Um, C he did... plus, you know, on in, impaling yourself. Like, absolutely yeah, not. Good try, good effort, um, but you missed. So he does die of his injuries two days later. Um, Mysterious Britain says that he refused medical assistance. So I guess there's that, like, either... I mean, I would either that or hope that he tried to render medical care unto himself, like some people trying to be their to own lawyer. Them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, be like, yeah, no, I, no, I'm my own surgeon. I really agree. I got this. I just need a toothpick. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. live organ transplant. Just stand by. Yeah, it, absolutely. Um, so the Earl of Northumberland, Henry Percy, finds out about this. And based on the writings, it's safe to assume that he is some type of acquaintance or friend to John because he sends a man to set John's affairs in order and goes so far as to pay Agnes a hundred pounds for for her and the, the children's care. What is that in today's money? Yeah, I knew you were gonna ask that. So <laughs> <laughs> one I gotta get all the way to the bottom of my notes. Now, hold here. on. Hold on. What what year again? Uh, we're roughly around the 16, let's see, 1690 for an innkeeper. Mm. Uh, no, we're not even to 1690 yet. Uh, we oh. are, uh, sorry. I am so sorry. I've moved my notes. So now I have to find myself. Well, after fifth, we're at like 1606 ish. Okay, so 1606. Okay. So yeah. early 1600s. Yeah. Okay. So Shakespeare is still running amok. Um, for an innkeeper how much do you pay for an innkeeper how much do you think one pound is today back then so one pound today it's pretty close it's like one 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 dollar twenty if i'm not mistaken super close there one, to like so to the u.s dollar 25 okay so, so super to, close there yeah um okay so now to 16 
So the early something. 1600s. Yeah. Um, I can't be trusted. My brain is just doing showing me the the the, the spinning wheel of death. So it's two hundred and thirty four dollars today. One dollar would have okay, been two hundred thirty four dollars. So one dollar equals two hundred twenty four. Okay. So and so how many like, again? Uh, she he paid her a hundred dollars. So we're looking at. Uh, let's see. Do oh math. come on, Angie. I know. I'm sorry. Come I on, Angie. Math. And am I helping I'm you? Am so I doing sorry. the math for you since it's so easy? No, I'm just rizzing no. you instead. Like <laughs> jackass. I know, right? <laughs> it's twenty three thousand dollars. <laughs> twenty three grand. Yeah. That, that's not even a Kia. Uh, yeah. And unless I did my math wrong, which I mean, you were you were pressuring me and I buckle with math questions under pressure, as you know, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, so long story short, that money that he that the that the Earl of Northumberland pays keeps Agnes and her children like good for the rest for for a substantial amount of time. So much so that when Agnes remarries, the husband, the new husband is also able to live off that. Like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really upset with this late stage capitalism nonsense. And I'm pretty pissed about it too. <laughs> but I mean, I, I would assume they already own their own home outright. Like, I don't even okay, know. If you own your own home exists. outright. Let, let's say, let's say you don't pay for your mud hut. <laughs> and oh, your well, horses, in. your horses are already like yours right and they're mm-hmm. just eating the grass in the field so gas is free you can't you can't tell me that you don't spend that amount in groceries you grow your own stuff too i hate late stage capitalism <laughs> right like it literally said in the story that daniel was going out to like work in in his little garden like his farm area yeah when i go work in the garden it means i paid more money for the fucking seeds and all of the supplies than i'm going to get mm-hmm. yeah right. absolutely I'm, yeah i'm livid now i'm sorry what you made me do uh taylor's dead she'll she's not here right now i'm sorry <laughs> Please forgive me. I didn't um, this is just going to be deep cut Taylor Swift <laughs> references for the entire time. We're really sorry, Taylor. We're actually, I'm actually a big fan. I just learned, just learned. So sorry about that also. You, um, you just anyway. learned that you're a big fan? I just learned I'm a Swifty. Yeah. Didn't know that till like last week. But anyway. Okay. All right. That's for therapy. No, no judgments. <laughs> and without further ado, here's where the story of Lady Mar- Mary Howard starts. She's nine years old when her father dies. And this presents a bit of a problem. She is the heiress to Sir John's estate and clearly not the age of minority, of majority, not minority. Good God. I mean, clearly a minority. Yeah. So enter a rather terrible and very interesting tidbit of English law in 1605, thanks to Madame Sabine's book um, on the matter. The law of wardship is created by Henry VIII and called the law, excuse me, and called the court of wards and liveries. Basically, the number of wards was so large that Henry VIII needed something, some type of organized system to keep everything together. So keep that in mind. Okay. The The law states that any man who held land or direct from the crown, so anything gifted from the crown, died his heir if a minor belongs to the king 
who has a right to receive all rents and profits from these lands until the heir becomes of age. He, being the king, could also marry the ward to whomever he wanted. Oh, great. Just who right. I want in charge of me. Right. Um. So, wardship and marriage of minors, which this is absolutely the, probably the biggest tour of the whole thing. Um, wardships and the marriage of minors was sold to the highest bidder who was sometimes the child's mother or the executor of the father's will, but if they were not very prompt in applying or did not offer the largest sum, to the, the highest bidder would get the ward. I yeah. have thoughts and feelings about this poor nine-year-old's future. Dude, honest to God, the rest of my story is just one terrible man after another, which makes me so sad because I think most men that i've encountered in my life are amazing so i have such a hard time with her so you say that you say that but there was something i saw earlier on a tiktok where one person said um she has met good men yes but most of the men she has met have never been better than a taco is anything better than a taco to which a lesbian stitched her and said you know you're on the wrong side of TikTok if I'm popping up in your feed. But I would argue that I have met men, most men who are not better than a frozen burrito. <laughs> That's why she's a lesbian. <laughs> I mean, facts. Oh, I'm going to have to remember that, all of it. Can you send me that one so I can show it to Ian? I can try. Um, in an hour? You're, yeah, you're going to need to. <laughs> my attention span right now, good luck. <laughs> okay i'll ask about it later maybe it'll okay. show up on my feed you know yeah um so okay so all that to say that also the the king so once the highest bidder purchases the ward they would then have complete control of the ward they could marry the ward if they liked or pair them up with someone else accordingly um they have all they receive all the rents of the miners estate without any liabilities so like basically you could purchase a ward that sounds so terrible because it's it's like buying the contents of a shed it really is yeah it, but that you can make rent off of i mean you don't know what's in that shed it could be all cougarins it could be um so do you have any idea on who you think purchased her wardship I don't like this game, but it's not going <laughs> to be good. And it's because of the way you said that it is a notable figure. But now I get or to play it is a figure that I have already mentioned. I don't like this game. I'm going <laughs> to go down in flames. So I'm going to just say I have no idea. It's our friend Henry Percy, the or the Earl of Northumberland. And okay. he purchases the wardship at 465 pounds, which today. Which is, is more than the wife got for the death of her freaking husband. Yeah. So I'm thinking I did some math wrong when you asked me about it, because today 465 pounds would be $108,000, roughly. Still four times the amount. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, so while. <laughs> While that sounds terrible, I genuinely think that in this case, the Earl of Northumberland was maybe not in his in in Mary's best interest, but he did her a solid by by purchasing her. 
because her lands stay intact and her what's rightfully hers stays intact. Now, see, I would feel he did right by her should he have bought it, collected all the rents, put the rents in a separate account, allowed that to gain interest, allowed her to do whatever she want, maybe pulled from that for her education and only pulled from that for her clothing and things like that. But I have a feeling yeah. not all of this happens. Well, no. <laughs> um, well, I mean, maybe to some extent, because like I said, her inheritance and her lands and her home and her titles remain intact by him doing so. So <laughs> she is at once removed from a mother and that we, we know that within a year or two, she is cared for by the house of Lady Elizabeth Hatton, who is the second wife of Sir Edmund Coke, who happens to be the master of the court of wards, which I thought was interesting. Okay. Right. Um, from the get, like right off the bat, the Earl of Northumberland sends his brother, Sir Alan Percy, to Devon to look over little Mary's estate and make make whatever money he can from falling the lumber. Sir Alan is, let's just say, pleased with what he has seen and what he thinks he can earn from the estate and asks to marry Mary. He does so. And in 1608, he marries her. He is 31. She is 12. Kick him and the gonads nonstop until death. Well, she never lives with him. And it was decided that they should wait to live as husband and wife until she reaches, quote, a nimble nimble age. And he dies from a chill he catches while sleeping on the damp ground during a hunting trip in 1611. Oh, darn. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So by this point, she is the wealthiest heiress in all of Devonshire, and she is noted as having extraordinary beauty. The The Earl of Suffolk's wanted for one of his sons, Sir Thomas Howard, to marry her however she runs away right she runs away with thomas darcy the son of lord darcy big daddy darcy Darcy, i know right does not object to this marriage but sadly her new and delightfully her own aged husband also dies within a few months of their marriage yo men need to quit catching death like like it's like it's a fox on a hunting trip right they're probably because they're hunting but anyway now widowed twice over and still both a minor and a ward of the king, she is married a third time at not just barely 16 years old. Good grief. Right. So do you remember just a moment ago I said the Earl of Suffolk um, wanted to marry her off to his son, but she ran off with Thomas Darcy? Right. Okay, well, forget that son. She ends up marrying his fourth son, Charles. Excuse me. And they reside at Audley Inn. And in the year 1613, her first baby girl named Elizabeth, um, who history thinks must have died young because she's all but she all but disappears within a couple of years. And later, a second daughter called Mary are born. But by 1622, she loses her third husband. At this point, I don't know if <laughs> loses is the correct word or disposes <laughs> of. <laughs> so she has she has lost three husbands and she still has no male heir so this is a rather dangerous time to be a rich lady with no male heir or husband but don't fear because she is also noted as being a stately dame in the court of henrietta maria want some quick side note gossip on henrietta maria 
But of course. She is the wife of Charlie 1 and the mother of oh. Charlie 2. Oh! <laughs> if you will harken back to my story on Neil Gwynn and her time as the mistress of the younger, more loved King Charles. So that's fun. Also, um, Henrietta Maria is the sixth great-granddaughter of Cosimo de Medici. Mm, my good Medici tie-in is always fun. Right? And okay, so... For me, when I got to this point of my notes, was like, this is literally just one giant gossip column at this point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no kidding. <laughs> holy beans. But at Henrietta, in my notes, I have her as Henny because I didn't want to type out Henrietta so much. She becomes BFS with the Duke of Buckingham, who introduces her to his friend Richard Grainville, who happens to be in need of a rich wife and considers... Considering that the, he is the Duke's favorite, she takes his advice and marries Sir Richard Greenville, and he happens to become the worst man on the face of the planet. And he's had some competition up until this moment. Right? However, she, before marrying him, ties up all of her assets without his knowing, so he would not be able to touch them. Quote, she conveyed all her lands to Walter Healy, Anthony Short, and William Grills in trust to permit her during her life, whether solo or married, to receive the rents and dispose of them at her own goodwill and pleasure. If you're going to sign that prenup, do it in invisible ink. <laughs> right? So this super pisses off old Dickie, which I actually don't know if that's his nickname, but it is now. It is now. Yeah. Um, and they have a son, and his his name is also Richard because, you know... I mean, gotta keep that. <laughs> and at this point, Daddy Daddy Dickie does everything in his power to ruin her and take charge of the estate. Like, he is the worst. And if I had another hour just to tell you about all the terrible things he does, I would. But I'm not going to because it's not his story. It's her story. But he ends up taking everybody off and doing more than one stent in the fleet prison to pay off a debt of 6,000 pounds for, quote, my quote, hurt feelings. I mean, <laughs> your wife is rich and you Super are in debtor's rich. prison prison because she just refuses to make bail. Um. It, well, no, actually, he insults somebody else during a court proceeding and over this over this whole inheritance thing and this individual kind of petitions the king and is like hey that was absolutely not nice and so he he ends up he all went, in all dick went to jail for being a dick yeah he did oh all in all he ends up having to pay back twelve thousand pounds i am all for this game <laughs> He escapes, however, and crosses the sea, and um, once he is able to return, he pisses everybody else off again and escapes to join the sweetest service in Germany, all quiet on the home front till he returns in 1639. Here I need to insert this. Mary has been living with the Earl of Suffolk, her former husband's brother, for some time. She bears a son called George. No one knows for sure, but all signs point to the Earl himself being the father. George is mentioned the first time in 16, 6, 1644. 
quote, he certainly was not the son of Sir Charles Howard. For seven years after the gentleman's death in 1628, it is stated in his wife's pleading before the court of Chancery that Sir Charles died without heirs male, leaving only two daughters, Elizabeth and Mary. Gotta take the woman at her word. Right. Um, but nobody questions the parentage of baby George. Like no one even box at it. And they have to know because this is a small, you know, at this point, it's not like New York City, you know what I mean? Like, right. And even then, like New York City upper society knows everybody else's business. So, oh, yeah, no, they right? know. So they know. But nobody says a word. And it's probably a really good indicator of the state of the country being involved in civil wars because they are not caring about the dalliances of noble ladies. No one ever questions it. At all, right? So at this point, Richard, Sir Daddy Dickhead, is called to command how unit- many how many <laughs> women have Sir Daddy Dickhead programmed in their phone? <laughs> I'm gonna wager a guess and say the number is greater than one. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> I'm here for it. Um he gets called to command a unit in Ireland which he does till the coffers run out and he swaps teams and goes against his king and joins the side of parliament. So at this point, it's Charlie one. He is in the embroiled in the whole scheme that ends up with his head gone. Right. Yep. Yep. Got to make way Um, for Charlie two. Right. But only for a minute though, because after amassing more men, he convinces them to ride with him back to the king and ends up totally double-crossing Parliament and pisses them off. I mean, look. <laughs> After further pissing everybody off for, like, the next so many years, he finally dies in 1665. Mary would have no contact with any of the children born to her via Richard. Damn. None. Damn. She, yeah, she's a rough mean old lady um and she all but disinherits them from her will now it's interesting to point one source says that richard is the father of elizabeth and gives like a pretty lengthy explanation of their not so much their relationship but that richard only willingly came back to england on his last trip back to collect elizabeth because he she was most definitely his daughter um, other sources say that Elizabeth wasn't his daughter, that she was, in fact, Charles Howard's daughter. So I'm not sure if she actually bore two children named Elizabeth because Charles Howard's died first. Um, so just keep that in mind, that there okay. there may have been two daughters named Elizabeth. There may have been only the one, and it could have been born to Richard. But needless to say... Mary disinherits everybody from her will. I think she gives them like 20 bucks and the rest goes to one of her um, other noble comrades, if you will. Um, However, her son George stays with her and manages her estate and affairs until his death. She would die two months later in October of 1671. She was said to be unnaturally cruel especially to her daughters and equally beautiful Uh... so i'm gonna give you the story of her 
legend now that led me to the spooky season of this gossip column. Okay. Quote, Lady Howard was a person of strong will and imperious imperious temper and left a deep and lasting impression on the people of Tavistock. Mrs. Mrs. Bray collected several traditions relative to her, which she published in her notes to Fitz of Fitzford in 1828. She bore the reputation of having been hard-hearted in her lifetime. For some crime she had committed, nobody knew what, she was said to be doomed to run in the shape of a hound from the gateway of Fitzford to Oakenham Park between the hours of midnight and cockcrowing, and to return with a single blade of grass in her mouth to the place whence she had started. And this she will do till every blade was picked when the world would be at an end. Dang. Right? Um, another story says, Dr. Jago, the clergyman of Milton Abbott, however, told me that occasionally she... So this is uh, the the author writing, you know, a couple of hundred years. Like, they've collected these stories, right? Sure. So, Dr. Jago, the clergyman of Milton Abbey, however, told me that occasionally she was said to ride in a coach of bones up West Street, Tavistock, towards the moor. And an old man of this place told a friend of mine the same story, adding that he had seen her scores of times. A lady who was once resident here and whom I met in company assured me that happening many years before to pass, the old gateway at Fitzford at the church clock struck 12 and returning from a party she had seen herself the hound start then goes on like there's a whole um uh, not sonnet but it's there's a whole poem that's several stanzas long about the legend of her and the gist is one story says she is either the dog the big hound itself collecting one single piece of grass or the big hound sits next to a headless horseman who's dragging or driving, excuse me, a carriage made of the bones of her husband. Should it be husbands? Yes. Did I not say S? Husbands. I mean, all it, the bones it of could her husband. And I just didn't hear that. Um, but as a fact, Lady Howard did not have a carriage, but rather a sedan chair. I had to look that up. Do you know what a sedan chair is? No. Uh, you know, like I think they're called litters. You know, okay, like you have yeah. a man yeah, yeah. and then a man, right? So that's what she had. Um, so the idea that she traveled from one place to another in the afterworld in a carriage made of her husband's bones probably more relates to the idea of um, the goddess of death traveling over the world to collect human souls. But I mean, I'm down since, for it. That's how I want to go. Right. Since her death. This story goes that she has been traversing back and forth every night, cursed to collect one blade of grass and return it to Fitzford till all the grass is gone. That's one hell of a curse. Uh, right? <laughs> I was like, dang, who did she piss off? Because <laughs> nowhere in any of the sources does it say who cursed her. Right. But just that that was the outcome of whatever wrongdoing she I mean she was just a rich woman that's really all that happened with a terrible father right so we hate her that's that's pretty pretty much the gist uh, do you want to hear a couple stanzas of the poem about her hell yeah okay uh they are written in the old english uh spelling and vernacular so just go with me 
Uh, my lady hath a sable coach and horses two and four. My lady hath a black blood hound that runneth on before. My lady's coach hath nodding plumes. The driver hath no head. My lady is ashen white as one that is long dead. And then it goes on for several more stanzas. <laughs> and they are each just as... Uh, I would rather walk a hundred miles and run by night and day than have that carriage halt for me and hear my lady say, Now pray, step inside, and make no din. Step in with me to ride. There's room. I'll trow by me for you and all the world beside. And I mean, if she's not my favorite ghost story, I don't know what else. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's that's pretty up there. So, so sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, please. I was to say when I was first reading about it, it her her story was just this like one paragraph excuse me one paragraph blurb, and yeah. I was like, no way, there's got to be so much more to this. Like, how do you get that? How do you become the lady in the coach of death? Like, right. what I did not expect was a ten page People magazine gossip run. I mean, but that's really how you get there because everyone's oh. just like. This woman, she has money. We hate her. Hate her. Yeah, and I mean, I guess I mean to be fair, she was not nice. Um, at least according to most of the people in her circle. But, but is it really if she like was somebody wouldn't like her because she didn't give enough alms to the like? You can't right. win. You're either too beautiful. That you or, or you're not beautiful mm-hmm. enough, or you're too chatty, or you're not chatty, you're too old, or you're too young. Like you can't it's win. It's the Goldilocks syndrome. Like yeah. Oh, and I just absolutely love her. So that's my story. And I'm. I just realized I've talked to you for a really long time. I'm very sorry. I'm not because <laughs> I could either give you the first three paragraphs of my story, or we could hold off. Which is I, your is your story long enough to uh I mean I could easily add more stuff on there. Yeah. Easily. Like because I this is going to sound weird. Um I talked about I'm going to give you a teaser. <laughs> I love teasers. <laughs> I talked about the history of the thing but included none of the ghost stories that are included in some of my auxiliary sources because I didn't want my thing to be too long. Oh, so here I was just totally longing to that. I am so sorry. I'm not. (laughs) Zero cares. Zero cares. Okay, that makes me happy. Because let me tell you, I almost, I, I literally had tears in my eyes last night when my notes just disappeared. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, the times I've called IT and just gone, I lost so many pages of this report. I know in theory it's gone, but on the off chance that you could possibly retrieve it, could you? So I discovered that Google Docs has previous versions. They do. And that kind of thing even exists in in MS Word. Which I I was hoping was the case because that's what my school uses for everything. So I was like, well, I can't have this ever happen again. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm Oh, so yeah, Mary Howard. And I saw all of those notes as I was having a meltdown because I was trying to put together my office after my husband found a spider. True arachnophobia. It's 
God bless understand. Him. There was a thing. Listen, I would move out if there was a snake in my house. So I fully get it. I mean, and and to be fair, there it was. It was a decently sized spider, and so oh. my daughter. So okay, I'll just tell the full story here before we close. There was a a big hobo spider in my house. Now, I'm not afraid when of them. When you say that, I have the image of a cute one with a hat and a bag on a stick. Right. You know. You know. <laughs> this it was big, but it's not intimidating. Okay. And I'm just like, all right, I see you. I'm gonna get you after this meeting. All right. So my daughter witnesses me walk across the house, grab a fly spotter and walk with purpose to the office. What are you doing? I'm getting a spider. Is it big? I'm not going to lie. Yes. Okay. Named him Charles. (laughs) Well, the spider made a break for it and got underneath that bookshelf right there. And so I was just like, okay, you're there for a minute. I'm not concerned. I'm not even going to tell Hubs about it because I will only tell him when it's dead and out of the house. For for everyone's peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so hour later, my daughter saunters into the living room with this big shit-eating grin. I told dad about the spider and I hear him swearing and rummaging through all of the cabinets above the, the washing machine. <laughs> and I'm like, son of a bitch. She told it. <laughs> and I looked at her and I just said, you are responsible for the consequences that come. And she's like, what? What do you mean? I was like, you did this intentionally. And I want you to understand that you are responsible for everything that's about to happen. We're also- out of bug spray. And I'm still talking with her about how I blame her for what is about to happen to Cue him walking into my office with a blowtorch. <laughs> honey, 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 no, 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 absolutely not. Put the blowtorch, but we're out of, bu- absolutely not. I, w- I know what I'm doing. I don't care if you know what you're doing. I don't doubt that, but no blowtorches in the house. I I know what I'm doing. Oh my God, I love him so much. <laughs> <laughs> I am just like, I now I'm the bad guy because I have this mm-hmm. no blowtorch in the house rule. And I'm looking at my daughter and I just said, you realize he's not sleeping tonight. And Ever then he, again. he proceeds to spray. He finally finds the bug spray and he proceeds to spray every, I swear to God, every square inch of this office space and every object inside it with bug spray. Is just there a case. bug? I don't know what. Like it was, it was as if it was holy water and he was anointing everything. And he comes out of the office and he's looking around the living room with the crazed look in his eye <laughs> and he starts spraying random stuff in the living room. And I just went, my your fault. <laughs> you're fixating. To which he looks at me angry that I had the audacity to call him out on this. Yeah. Well, how dare you? So he walks out of the house. I mean, he is just so upset. He's, he's got to go fix something in the backyard. He's got to go get some milk. <laughs> and I just look at her. I said, you realize he's not going to sleep tonight. Oh. Oh. Yeah. You kicked the hornet's nest. She is a troll. And so I sent her to bed. I do my own thing. We're all good. Then this morning, I'm talking to to Mike. And I just said, last night, did you do anything to air out my office? Because I've got meetings that start at seven 30 this morning. 
No. Okay, so I'm about to get hit with a bug bomb the moment I open that door. And I open that door and it just hits me in the face like a shovel saying hi. (laughs) You wordsmith. And I I just started crying. Because at that point, I had about 30 minutes before these things started. And I Mm -hmm. just recognized that I'm stuck in front of my computer in the only place that looks semi-professional. And it it smells like raid. Uh, please don't mind my new cologne. Yeah. It's Ode to Dead Spider. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> through Zoom. But if you see me starting to lose consciousness, don't let this reflect poorly on my professionalism. Call 911. Please and thank you. <laughs> and so I'm melting down, having an absolute conniption fit over this. I'm crying. Kayani looks at me. She goes, are you and dad breaking up? No, child. This is further fallout from your shenanigans. No, but you are going to boarding school. Yeah. (laughs) And then she goes, oh. Like, she didn't realize that this was going to have residual effects. And Hubs and I talked about this over lunch. And I was just like, you realize we paid an absolute irate fee for her stirring the pot. And she paid absolutely nothing except for the stress of thinking that we were getting a divorce because I cried because my whole office reeked of raid. Poor baby. (laughs) Poor baby. Uh, That's your takeaway. Yeah. Pity her. For everyone. It's poor baby for everyone. Mike for not sleeping. You because you got hit in the face with raid and poor Ani for thinking everybody's going to break up over an incident. That she caused. That she clearly stirred the pot. But these are things. (laughs) So. (laughs) Is it still smell like grade? (laughs) No, it really does. It really does. And so at one point, Mike was like trying to help things by add some essential oils in the diffuser. I said, no, no, no. (laughs) You don't add more scent. That is not going to help. You you purge. In the windows. (laughs) That's it. That's all we can do. We can only remove. You don't. Oh, you know what will help that decomposing body smell from the body in the corner? If we put a Glade <laughs> plug in right next to it. No, absolutely not. Some of the car air fresheners. Little maybe pines. Take, yeah, maybe take <laughs> the rotting meat out before we actually like, you know, just put a little air freshener on the from its earlobe. <laughs> eh, new earrings. Right. Okay. But if you've enjoyed this spooky season story and you're like, you know what I want? I want more of this. You can support our antics by giving us a rating of any kind. Um, Even, you know, talk about how good we are at sharing cooking recipes, because I feel like you've listened to about the full epilogue that exists before we get to the beef stew. Angie's laughing because Angie know that it does take a full hour to get through their full. And I was wandering through the swap meet when I found the perfect thing to praise. <laughs> Anyhow, these are things. And you can give us a review. You can rate, you can review, you can subscribe. You can hit us up and tell us what you want to hear us talk about. You can tell us all the things that Angie messed up on. You can tell her exactly how the Howards tied into Catherine Howard and how she was so foolish for leaving that out because you were screaming it as you were driving down Highway 5, as you should be. And on that note... You know, I'll look it up. 
because she married the Howards, right? So it could have been that she's what a cousin, sister in law, something at some point. She's a Habsburg because no, I'm joking. <laughs> She's got the chin. <laughs> no, I'm being a smart ass. But on that note, <laughs> goodbye. Bye.